The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Hey, welcome back. I'm Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking about building the healthcare of tomorrow. This season, we're attempting the deepest dive that's ever been done on the disruptive organizations that are likely to impact the experience of healthcare consumers for years to come. For more provocative thinking, we hope you'll follow us and check out our previous episodes, all 200 of them. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about the stunning news that Amazon will not be offering Amazon Care after the end of the year. If Amazon Care really wasn't a complete enough offering, does that say anything about employers being the brokers of our healthcare benefits in the first place? I'll talk about that. Then Jason Considine is back in the house to discuss key findings from Experian Health's recent research that the digital divide in healthcare is also a generational and economic divide. Jason dives into the role of finances in consumers' health decisions and how healthcare organizations can use this information to design better consumer experiences. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the Week. Apparently, some parts of Amazon's healthcare roadmap are dead ends. An internal memo publicized on August 24th stated that Amazon will stop offering its Amazon Care primary healthcare service at the end of the year after determining that, quote, it's not a complete enough offering for the large enterprise customers we have been targeting, and it wasn't going to work long term. I'm reading the following from an article written by Todd Bishop for GeekWire. Quote, the surprise move is a major course correction in Amazon's broader foray into healthcare. Amazon says the decision impacts only Amazon Care and not its other healthcare initiatives. This decision wasn't made lightly and only became clear after many months of careful consideration, said Neil Lindsay, Amazon Health Services Senior Vice President, in the email to Amazon Health Services employees. Amazon Care launched in 2019 as a pilot program for employees in the Seattle area where Amazon is headquartered. Last year, it expanded to non-Amazon employees across the nation. It's a hybrid of virtual in-home primary care and urgent care services without brick-and-mortar clinics or physical locations. Amazon is known for sticking to a long-term vision while experimenting with different approaches to achieve its goals. Okay, so many questions. Where do we start? First of all, the obvious one. Could this have anything to do with potential conflicts with One Medical, seeing that they also sell into employers and offer telemedicine services? Second, not a complete enough offering, huh? Seems like that could be said for nearly anyone offering healthcare services. Neil Lindsay said that this wasn't a complete enough offering for their large enterprise customers. But do they really need to abandon the idea altogether? Could they not have spun this out for other employer groups of other sizes? Did that just stray too far from their goal? Are they going to pull out every time that move fast and break things doesn't 
yield immediate results? Next, will the hits outweigh the misses in the end? To be honest, the whole Haven thing seemed like a distraction from the get, but this feels different. We've heard so much about Amazon Care's momentum this year. It was just in February that they announced their expansion to 20 new cities. Will they get back into employer health benefits at some point? And lastly, does this say anything about employers being the brokers of our healthcare benefits? Are employers looking for reasons to get out of the business of offering health benefits in the first place? Was this a contracting issue? At some point, are there just too many cooks in the kitchen and too many parties negotiating too many things that everyone loses sight of what they're offering in the first place? After all, what's fair for an employer to offer and what's fair for an employee to expect? I'll give it to you, Amazon. You know how to dominate the news cycle. And we'll be diving more into employer benefits later this season. But if Amazon Care really wasn't a complete enough offering, I think we might all want to re-examine the healthcare services that we provide and ask ourselves where our shortcomings are, then let those areas dictate our growth strategies. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the week. All right, everyone, let's get into the flow. Give it up for Jason Considine. Jason is the Chief Commercial Officer at Experian Health. Jason, welcome back. Thank you, Jared. It's great to be back. Tell us what I missed in your bio. What else would you like them to know about you and your background? Well, I've been in the, the healthcare industry my, my entire career and have um, currently serving as Chief Commercial Officer for Experian Health, but I've also led segments of our product organization, our, our development organization, and other parts of our delivery function. So I have kind of a broad experience in healthcare technology and really excited to have a conversation today about what we're seeing in the market around the consumer and patient experience. Thank you. Yeah, there's so much to dig into here. And I wanted to mention, you know, it's probably worth it just because I don't have enough guests here from North Texas, from the, the DFW area. It's worth mentioning that, you know, that's just where, where part of my heart still is, you know, having lived there for a long time, you know, now I'm in Arizona, but, you know, anyone in the, with ties to or is currently living in North Texas, Collin County, you're in the, you know, the Frisco McKinney, Allen, Plano area. It's just, a, I just got to give a quick shout out because like I said, I don't have enough guests from there. Yeah, it's a great area. And as you know, we're experiencing a ton of growth in, in our community, which is exciting. And the weather's not too different between where you are in Phoenix and, and Texas this summer. I feel like it's been over 100 for about the last two months. And and we probably have another month of it ahead of us. But, but uh, North Texas is a great place to call home and uh, excited to be in this community. Super cool. And uh, yeah, just uh, I have to mention that when it comes up. So very fun. So Jason, where we're going to go today, and one of the reasons we wanted to have you back on is that Experian Health, my understanding is that uh, you conducted some research recently about patients and their preferences for digital interactions. And so we can go a lot of different directions with this, but can you start by giving us a brief description of the research and can you give us a couple of highlights? Yeah, absolutely. And before I get into some of the survey data, just wanted to mention that Experian Health has a a wide breadth of consumer data solutions that help providers establish this digital front door and improve the patient experience from the first interaction, which can be you know, scheduling or even outreach to to draw patients in for appointments, all the way until that last transaction where you kind of reach a zero balance resolution on an account. 
And patients are demanding more convenience and efficiency and, and digital access, just like they have in all other aspects of their life. We're kind of constantly trying to get better and understand the consumer pain points in that healthcare journey so that we can remove the administrative burden for our provider customers, but then also the friction in the consumer experience along the way. And so it becomes both a win for the healthcare provider as well as the patient. So with all that in mind, we collaborated earlier this year with Payments and it, it's a, a media and analytics company and a survey of, of over 2,300 consumers across the country to learn more about how people access services digitally and what they consider to be their biggest pain points. And so for a bit more context, the average age of the respondents in the survey was 48 years old. 52% were female, 32% held college degrees, 36% earned more than $100,000 annually, 31% earned between $50,000 and $100,000, and 32% earned less than $50,000. And I think our biggest takeaway in, in the research was that they struggle with the healthcare payments, uh, payment experience specifically and are, are really wanting for more consumer-friendly tools and digital ways of accessing pricing and how they can pay for, for their healthcare services. So I'm sure a couple of things stuck out there. Can you give us a highlight or two? Like what, what were some of the key findings? A few things that, that were really interesting to us was that two-thirds of patients said that they have access to and use patient portals today. But many find that portals lack essential features like being able to learn about what the cost of an appointment or a procedure is going to be before the services are rendered. It seems most of them are accessing patient portals to get a lab test or a lab result. And even though many say they can pay via the patient portal, 43% of the patients surveyed say they still pay at the point of care when they're in the provider's office versus accessing the online tools. Of all the patients surveyed, only 6% said that they were made aware of the cost of their procedure in advance of showing up for their appointment. And so I, I think this stat is one that, that uh, we found also very interesting and, and should be, be something on the top of minds for, for the providers is that 61% of the patients surveyed said that they would consider switching providers if they were offered a better digital experience, and namely one that offers not only the ability to access clinical information through a digital means, like the test results I mentioned, but would have access to financial information like the cost of care before they show up for their appointment, as well as flexible payment options that can help them pay for the pay for the services after they're rendered. So that's really interesting. I mean, that does speak to a recognition of, of finances and pricing being an important part of our healthcare choices and a very important part of the experience. What we do talk about on the on the show pretty regularly is just how the billing experience can make or break the rest, you know, your feeling about the rest of your experience. Typically, in the majority of cases, at least from, from a majority of, of patient reviews and, and just publicly available information, most people are generally pleased with the, the care that they receive at a lot of different facilities. You know, I wouldn't see everywhere across the board, but a majority of the, the negative 
parts of an experience have to do with how someone was treated and then the billing experience. And so I, I do think this kind of speaks to that. Like it's it's important <laughs> and it, it, it can feel like it's one of those things that the doctor or the clinical team, the care team doesn't necessarily have full control over, even though there are some aspects that they do. So I, you know, that that's one takeaway I'm, I'm picking up on just, just from that part about, yeah, this is important. The financial experience matters and it's going to affect how you choose your care in the future. Are you even going to seek care in the future because it was so difficult? So I think some of those things you're speaking to about just obtaining a price estimate in advance or reviewing your payment options, like those are things you know I'm taking away from this. We don't want to look over that and gloss over it. Like those are important parts of the experience. I mean, is, is that kind of where you're going with this? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I completely agree with what you just said. The data that we have and we enjoy relationships with some of the, the largest health systems in, in the country. And I completely agree. Patients are generally very pleased with the experience they have with their provider as it's related to their care. It's unique, it's tailored to them, and they feel like it's um, they're treated as an individual. I feel like when you get into the billing process, it feels very different, right? Every patient gets the same bill. Every patient gets the same, you know, hey, here's your balance, pay it. And we can do better. There's data available. I think this is both a technology, there's a technology answer here from a, a software perspective and tools perspective. And then there's also a data component to improving this patient experience. I'll maybe talk about the data component first. You know, when a patient comes in and they're they're receiving care from their doctor, they review the unique clinical situation that that patient's in, and they prescribe a treatment plan that is specific to the symptoms and conditions that that patient has. And we can make the same data-driven decisions in the healthcare financial experience. There's data available that you can pull that would let you know before the patient even arrives if they qualify for your financial assistance program and they're not gonna be able to pay their bill. Right. We could direct patients during the registration process or pre-visit process to complete the financial application paperwork based off the data that we see and remove any concern that they may have of paying for their, their care before they come in, right? Because they're going to qualify for a financial assistance program. We can also see that patients might be able to pay, but they might need a payment plan because they can't pay for the full balance in advance of care or, or at, at the time of checkout. And we can offer them those flexible payment arrangements and reduce the stress and worry that the patient may have. And that's gonna also increase the likelihood that they pay, right? And so everybody wins in that situation as well. And of course we can identify the patients that have no problem paying for their bills. We can see that in the data as well. And so there's lots of options that we have to leverage data before the patient even comes in and then during the payment process, either at checkout or in the balance follow-up parts of the revenue cycle management process that both create a better patient experience for the patients, but also are going to optimize the ability for the providers to collect on these bills. And so I, I think the data is a very important component to making this financial experience you feel as unique and as tailored to the patient as the clinical experience is that they love. 
about their relationship with the provider. And then the second aspect of that is, of course, tools. Providers need to meet patients where they are 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and present them flexible options on how they can pay. We need to be able to take payments mobile. We need to be able to take payments via the web. We need to be able to take payments over the phone. We can do text to pay. There's a a myriad of different options that patients like to engage with to pay, and providers need to have all of those different channels available to collect payments. And then finally, you know, I think this is an area in the healthcare system where our healthcare system still looks unlike kind of any other purchasing transaction that a consumer goes through. We still have well-documented cases of of patients uh, coming into a provider expecting to pay a copay, and then they get these follow-up bills that, hey, this was out of network, and, and there's surprise billing on the back end of it, or unexpected costs that they don't find out about until after care has been rendered. There's legislation that's been promoted by the the government and is being pushed by the government to improve on that, like the No Surprises Act. And we've seen some improvements, but there's still a long way to go in, in creating that transparency around what the expectation of a cost of the service should be before those, those services are provided so that the patient can appropriately prepare for how they're going to pay pay for those services. Those are all things that we can do to continue to improve this this experience and and make the healthcare financial experience look a lot more like what patients are doing in all other aspects of their lives. Stay tuned for more provocative thinking after the break. Hey, listen up, y'all. Did you know that nearly 60% of people wish their healthcare provider sent them more relevant health information? And 42% would even consider switching to a different provider that sent them more, according to a recent survey of patients in the U.S. The vast majority of them would prefer to get that information via email or text. Persado is a natural language AI company that provides healthcare organizations with pre-developed, pre-optimized messaging journeys proven to build digital relationships, improve health goals, and increase patient retention. Deliver better health outcomes and revenue growth with Persado's data-driven content that inspires action. Visit persado.com to learn more. That's persado, P-E-R-S-A-D-O.com to find out how Persado can help. Okay, back to the flow. I feel like we can learn a lot from retail and from even restaurants, other places we make payments. And I was just thinking about this the other day about how it's been such a focus for things as simple as, you know, going going somewhere to grab a bite to eat for lunch. And it didn't feel like that inconvenient to swipe a credit card before. And, you know, and then it was, you know, insert the chip and now it's just a tap. And I'm like, yeah, those, those may seem like really incremental things, but like, it's actually a big deal. And now that's my expectation is that I went somewhere the other day that I could not tap my card. And I'm like, what's going on here? So these are things that should be driving a financial experience at a healthcare organization. What else does the research tell us about how important this is? Like, how is it impacting where consumers seek care or whether they seek it at all? There's a lot of research out there. We didn't do conduct this in, in this particular survey, but 
there is evidence that the lack of price transparency is adding to people deferring care. And so I, I think there's this price transparency and the need to present pricing up front is very real. And, and I think the organizations that are transparent about what the, the cost of the service is going to be are going to, over time, see patients gravitate to the, the providers that provide that transparency. And so I think that could be a competitive advantage in attracting new patients. And then I'd reference back to one of the first stats that we talked about here at the beginning, 61% of patients in the survey said that they would consider switching to a provider, a different provider, if they offered a better digital experience and how they accessed care and, and manage their relationship with that provider. And I, so I think we're seeing more and more evidence that the lack of digital tools is a competitive disadvantage for providers as we think about how they're attracting new patients and even retaining the relationships with the patients that they have. And I think this convenience is gonna be increasingly a decision point and a decision-making factor for patients on how they choose their providers. And Jared, I'll give you a personal example. Won't of course mention the provider, but I have a 11 year old daughter and her pediatrician, I, I, I love the pediatrician and we recently moved not too far. I'm still in Frisco and in Collin County, but we moved you know, a little bit further away from her pediatrician and still somewhere I could drive and, and go and take her to her appointments. But I don't have a way that I can pay for her bills online. There's no access to any medical, like it's, it's a, the digital transformation hasn't occurred for this particular provider. And I still get a statement in the mail that I have to write my credit card number on the statement and tear it off and mail it back. And I, I just, I don't do that. I don't pay any bills that way anymore. And so when we moved, I changed providers to a pediatrician that was closer and more convenient to me, but one that I found out in the process, uh, I can register and, and look for appointments online. And then I can also put my credit card on file and just give them, yes, I, I, I get a text message and get approved, give them approval to apply the, the bill to the credit card that I have on file versus the mailing experience. And so I'm an N of one in that example, but I think there's many more like me and, and the 61% of folks that said they'd consider switching providers in our research for a better digital experience. I think my experience resembles what that 61% is alluding to. Wow, that's a perfect example. So what about healthcare organizations, healthcare leaders, health system administrators? How do they use this information to design a better experience? I mean... Clearly, we're just saying it's up to the doctor to, to some degree. I mean, it depends on the practice, the size of the office, the practice, the group they're in. But what about healthcare administrators themselves? Are they able to use this information? Like, can they improve the experience at all? Absolutely, they can. And we're, we're partnering with many that are well underway in this journey. I think there's a long way to go, as I, as I mentioned in the industry. But there are a lot of organizations that have made really good strides in creating a better patient experience. And, you know, I think the way this looks for 
healthcare administrators and people responsible for the patient experience is that the, the patient experience goes beyond the clinical experience. And, and I think you've got to look at the, the entire patient journey and the patient financial experience, as we previously discussed, is, is one of the areas where you see the, the most relationship tension or friction in the process. And so I, I think we can leverage this data and the, the administrators can partner with technology organizations to, to look at tools and at data to help them bring insights and technology to this process to make it better. And, you know, we're seeing evidence out in the market. You know, I think another interesting trend that I've seen here recently is there's a, a lot of private equity companies that are investing in provider organizations. And so you've got these private equity backed provider groups now, and they're very technology forward in the way they deliver their experience. And so I think that's also accelerating the need to compete for, for healthcare administrators because these, these organizations are getting to scale. They have, some of them have a national presence and they are creating some competition for patients in, in these markets. And so it's important to look at that experience and leverage the data and the tools available to meet the patients where they are and, and create an experience that resembles the retail experiences that we all interact with on a daily basis, like the Uber or the, the Amazon type of experience. What do you hope healthcare looks like say three years from now, far enough where we can make some progress, but maybe not everything is fixed. It's like a, a three-year window. What do you hope healthcare looks like? Yeah, great question. I would love to see a healthcare ecosystem where as a consumer, if I'm in, maybe I'm switching doctors or I'm, I'm um, moving to a, a new part of the country where I could access a tool and say, hey, show me show me all the providers in, in this distance from where I live. And, and I could compare providers based off, uh, you know, quality and cost. So I could make the best value-based decision for who I wanted to, to go to for my care. And, and I had a lot more visibility into that decision-making process and a lot more, more data organized in, it, in an awesome consumer experience for me, but, but really make it really easy to pick the best kind of value of care for me. And then have an environment where the providers are accessing all the things that we talked about, right? So that I don't have to do that thinking, right? Here's the payment plan because they know that I can't afford to pay a $5,000 bill and I have a deductible. I can't afford to pay it, but I need to pay $500 a month payments over 10 months. And they recommend that payment plan to me and avoid sending me three statements for $5,000 that I'm just going to put in the garbage because I can't pay the bill, right? And so I, I think that that experience where we're, we're giving, giving the power to the consumer to choose what the best option for them is with all the data and then leveraging the data to, to do, make that process frictionless and easy and tailored to their unique financial disposition. And I think we can get there. I think we've got all the, the data and the capabilities exist to do this today. We're seeing investment and in strides in, in improving this experience. 
I think we can go faster and, and we can do better. It's definitely headed in the right direction. That gives us something to shoot for. And uh, I look forward to seeing how close we can get in that window. Jason, it's been a pleasure. For those who wish to get to know you better or just connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Is that on LinkedIn or is there another way you prefer to connect with people? Yeah, LinkedIn is the best way. Look forward to hearing any feedback and, and connecting with people over LinkedIn. And, and Jared, hopefully we have the opportunity to, to connect again in the future. Definitely, Jason. It's been so much fun. Uh, thanks for giving us a lot to think about. And I can see us making a lot of progress as an industry. And I look forward to having you back as well in the future. Take care and uh, stay safe and best of luck with everything you've got going on. Hey, thank you for the time today, Jared. And stay safe. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Tell your colleagues to tune in for all the awesomeness, then leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. See our full lineup at shiftforwardhealth.com. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. And remember, we might have a lot of work to do in healthcare, but we'll get there faster together. Thanks again. Thank you.